Line dancing for Jesus. Come on. All right. That's the dance move I can handle. Anything more complicated than that? I fall down. So (laughs) that's good. You can dance in church. Bible says so. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence with joy and rejoicing. Uh, Lord, that uh, you enjoy uh, joy. You are joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength and that you've uh, prepared that place for us. Lord, you've also given us your word. And so we just uh, ask that our hearts and minds would be open to your word as we uh, turn to it now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. And pardon me, I forgot to turn off the air conditioner. And you may not hear it, but it bugs me, so forgive me. <clears throat> All right. That didn't happen. Edit that. Still with me? Good. All right. <laughs> Last week we started talking about uh, serving in the church. Uh, serve Sundays is what this is called. And it's just a couple of weeks out of the year that we focus on the different areas of ministry that are available within our church where you can plug in and uh, be part of the team or various teams to serve. And just to highlight and to give us an understanding of the importance of it, we look at Scripture that talk about serving. And last week we, we really focused on the call to serve and, and Christ's example of serving from a passage in uh, Philippians. <clears throat> this week I just want to talk about, uh, that, uh, kind of more focus on the idea that our service is an expression of the gifts that we've been given. And each of us have, has been given a gift and, and serving is really all about like unwrapping that gift and using the gifts that we've been given um, uh, by God uh, to, to minister uh, in the way that we've been called to. And, and so the motivation I'd like all of us really to have is, 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 is to not be thinking, well, I have to, you know, say I repeat after me, I have to. I have to serve in something, right? Or I ought to, you know. I ought. I really ought to. You know, that's not very. That's not the right attitude. That's not the right motivation. You know, it's better to say I get to. Say I get to. I get to. Yeah, I get to. Or even better yet, I love to. I love to serve in nursery. I love to serve in children's. I love to serve in cleaning. I love to do this. I love it. Because it's an expression of the gifts that we've been given. I'm going to read um, from Ephesians chapter 4. Read a kind of a lengthy passage. Please follow along. Follow along. It's verse 1 through 16. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus about being a church and what it means. And this is in the early days of, of Christianity. Uh, just a few decades, uh, this is probably written within two decades after Christ rose from the dead. Uh, and so they were just figuring out how to be a church. And so Paul is explaining the, how, how you function as a church. And um, it begins in verse 1, chapter 4. <clears throat> Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, Paul was actually in jail for being a Christian in prison, in a dungeon. But he's writing to the church instructions while he's in prison. He says, I, a prisoner... For serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And one thing I want to just point out is that uh, each of us has been called, and 
There's a calling. You know, some people are called the full-time minister, and we think that's something different. But actually, every Christian is called into ministry, and that ministry is to be full-time in your life, all the time. You're called, and our calling into salvation, our calling into relationship with God, is one and the same as our calling into whatever area of gifting that we have. All right, And so, we've been called. Say, I've been called. You know, Paul is saying, you've been called. If you're a Christian, there's a call. And, and, and you responded to the call. And, and, and earlier this, this morning, I just saw, just almost like a flash of a vision in my mind's eye, just like a, a crowd of people just kind of wandering aimlessly and maybe pursuing their own things. And God calls out and just two or three or just a small percentage of them hear that call and turn and follow the Lord's call. And that's what salvation is like. The call has gone out and for whatever reason, for whatever uh, uh, alignment of circumstances, you've responded to that call. Or you're here, or maybe this is your response. You're, you're coming to learn more. But we've been called by God. And, he, and that call is a call to salvation, but it's called to more than that. And he continues on. He says, Always be humble, verse 2, and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, He has given each one of us a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ. That is why the Scriptures say, when He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to His people. Notice that it says He ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. That the same One who descended is the One who ascended higher than all the heavens so that He might fill the entire universe with Himself. <laughs> you just got to love Jesus, don't you? <laughs> now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. That's part of our calling. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And we have a little video that kind of says the same idea in pictures and sound.
All right. Okay, the video is a little cheesy, but <laughs> it made the point <laughs> that we're all given a grace gift. And uh, uh, that term, a grace gift, is from that passage in Ephesians that I just read, Ephesians 4, 7. Again, I'll read it. It says, however, each of us has been given uh, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Or in the New King James, it puts it this way, but to each one of us, grace, special gift, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And the word grace is charis. It's the same word that's used for by grace we have been saved. It's the same word for which we get charismatic, which uh, charismatic churches focus on the, or at least uh, use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, And so it's the gifts. And it's the gift of grace, but it's, grace in itself is a gift. All right, And in this context, he's talking talking about the gifts that we've been given to serve in the body of Christ. And, and, and each of us, each individual, has been given uh, a gift, and each gift is unique. Okay, So it refers both to the grace of salvation, but also the grace of the gifts that we're given, both spiritual and natural talents that we're given that equip us or enable us to serve. And this makes each one of us Every one of us unique. Even if you have the same spiritual gift as someone else sitting in the same row or across the room from you, you're going to function in that gift differently because your personality is different. So you're going to bring a unique flavor to that gift. And so there's a variety of gifts and each individual functions in their gifts. So each of us is unique and important. In the church, there's no hierarchy of value. It's very important to, to remember this, and it's just kind of just you know I, I come across this all the time, is that people just almost automatically think that certain people are more important, you know you know pastors are more important, uh, you know or if you lead a big ministry you're more important. There is no hierarchy of value. No one is more valuable than someone else. Right? There is hierarchy of authority and responsibility. And authority and responsibility are like two sides of the same coin, or it should be when it's done healthy. So, yes, some people have more authority and some people have more responsibility in church, but no one has more value than someone else. And just because I have more responsibility doesn't, doesn't mean I'm more valuable to God or more valuable to the church. Because each part is equally as valuable even though our particular roles and responsibilities don't look alike. Does that make sense? And so you need to see that you are just as valuable as anyone else. And likewise, everyone else is just as valuable as you. Right? And that, uh, in, in the area of value, we're equal. Our gifts are of equal value to God and equal value to one another. You're just as important. So someone else doesn't have a more important job in the church because each person's job is important. So what your role is, whatever that may be, is just as important in order for us to be a healthy church. And the same idea is repeated in a couple other places. In Rome, we find it Paul telling the church in Romans in Rome the same thing. Romans 12, 6 through 8 in the New King James says this way. He's saying, talking about the same idea. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let them let us use them. If we've been given gifts, so use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let us use it in our ministering. 
He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So, whatever gifts we've been given, use them in the context of, our, of, 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 of the assembly, in the context of the a community of, of faith, but also in your life. Use the gifts you're given. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4-11, through 11, same idea is repeated. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's saying there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So how many people get a spiritual gift? Each of us, everybody gets spiritual gifts. All right. To one person, the spirit is uh, spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, he gives us uh, the spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. Uh, uh, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, Paul in this context is talking about the spiritual gifts being used in the context of a church service, but the idea that each person's spiritual gift is given by the Holy Spirit and uniquely selected by Him for you. Alright? It's picked out, uh, for you. Personally, uh, chosen, uh, uh, for your benefit and also for you to use to the benefit of others. There's a few things just to pull out from this passage. Um, one, that each and every one of us has, has gifts. So just say, I have a gift. I, have a gift. I may have lots of gifts. All right. And the next thing is that all of our gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. So there, that are, the source of the gift is the Holy Spirit that, has, that is in us, that fills us, that is freely available to those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, that our gifts are intended to be used to help each other for the profit of all. all right? So whatever gift we have is not for just our sake, but to, for the profit of all. And in Ephesians, the, chapter, uh, the text we started with, in verse 16, he says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Right? This is God we're talking about. Okay? The God who created the universe. The God who the most brilliant scientists on the earth are still trying to figure out some of the most simple things. You know, to God, they're just trying to figure out what everything's made out of. They don't really know. They, they keep making up words. <laughs> Nuance and uh, all kinds of things. It's, it's fascinating to watch them probe. He says he fits the whole body together perfectly. As each part does its own work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Okay, I want you to get this. It says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This means... That the church being full of love, the church growing, the body, church, being healthy and whole, and other individual parts growing is all 
dependent upon each part doing their own special work. So, it's when every individual, because every individual has been given a gift, when every individual is using their gift, then it enables the other individuals to grow. Are you following me? So that the whole body, the church, is healthy and growing and we can experience the fullness of love. And that means that if some of us are not functioning in our gifts, then others of us, or maybe all of us, will not be able to grow as much as we could have. And the church will not be able to grow to its fullest capacity and uh, abilities and fulfill our calling. And we even will not be able to experience the fullness of love that God calls us to. Wow! All because 1, 2, 3, or 4, 20%, 30% are not functioning in the gift that the Holy Spirit pre-selected just for you, for you to do. So do you see how that means? It doesn't matter what the gift is. It's just as important as any of the other gifts. Because every other individual is dependent on you doing your part. The whole is dependent on every part doing its part. And the fullness of love that we experience. And, and so every church, you know, this, this applies to us as a, as a body, as a local congregation. It also applies as this church is part of the Church of Kalamazoo. I meet with other pastors in town and, and we talk about the Church of Kalamazoo, which is represented by, you know, it's like one, uh, we, uh, it's like the church has many branch offices. You know, it's one bank, but it has many branch offices. It's the same idea. It's one church, but there's many branch offices. It's one church. And as each church is at a certain level of healthiness and wholeness and functioning and love, then it affects the, the spiritual climate of our city. And a city affects the region, and the region can affect the whole country, and the country can affect the world. And that's how you're connected. This is what church is all about. And it all can boil down to you doing your part. And what's your part? Well, maybe your part serving in nursery. Well, that's not, that's not important. I'll just miss this week. No, that's important. Because if you miss, then it robs someone else of something that they need. Or if you have a, an exhortation or an encouragement or a word, it doesn't have to be from the pulpit. I mean, this is actually one of the most limiting areas of service. All right? and, and, and teachers and pastors are here to equip you to do the work of the body so that the body can grow to its fullness. All right? So you're important. Say, I'm important. Boy, it sounds like you really believe that. Say, I'm important. You are. You are important. Boy, you're so important. It makes me nervous. <laughs> Not really. All right. <laughs> so the church is to be thought of more as an or- organism uh, than as an organization. Now, hopefully we are somewhat organized. Some people come up and say they, they really don't like organized religion. And I say, you'll love our church. We're totally unorganized. <laughs> and they always go... <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> sometimes it's a funny joke like that. Uh, but it, we're intended to function like an organism that grows. It's alive and, and, and expanding. And, and a healthy organism, all of our parts are working properly. 
And when some parts start, stop working properly, then we have disability. Well, we don't want to be a disabled church body, right? We want every part um, uh, growing, and, and that causes growth. Something that healthy grows. The church is compared to buildings. It's compared to different things. But, but the body is one of the best comparisons because it's alive. And every part is dependent on every other part. We're interconnected in a, in, a, in a real yet spiritual way. And sometimes in a really natural ways we're connected. So I just want to draw some applications. I don't have a, a, a cute little uh, phrase or anything. that I, I couldn't put these in alphabetical order or anything like that. But just a few applications that we can pull out from these passages. One is that we're each given uh, gifts. We have to believe that. And we should... Uh, we should invest time and effort into discovering our gifts. There's many books available. I think on our website we still have a, a thing, a survey that you can discover your spiritual gifts. Um, you know, there's a whole teaching series on it. But don't let discovering your gift become a distraction to functioning in your gift. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Uh, you know, and sometimes people can get so caught up with uh, researching their gift that they never use it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you're an expert about a car, but you don't know how to drive. You know, just hop in a car and drive it for a while, and that's how you learn how to ride, you know. Um, <clears throat> uh, so uh, learn your gift. Don't be distracted by it. Um, and the best way to, to learn it is by actively getting involved and serving. And after service, there's, there's tables in the back at different areas that, where we need people to serve. Second thing is understanding that all of the gifts can be used in just about every ministry setting. I don't know if you have ever noticed, but if you read through the entire Bible, nowhere is anyone given the gift of being a nursery worker. It's not biblical. No one is given the gift of making coffee. Hebrews, maybe. That's stretching it. Okay. So the idea is, is that these are ministry areas and that any of the spiritual gifts, any of the gifts can be used in any ministry area. All right. So if you have the gift of leadership, you can lead the nursery or you can lead one of the nursery teams and you can function in your leadership gift. In nursery, or if you have the gift of teaching, you may not teach from the pulpit, but you might get plugged into the fusion ministry and teach people about New Day when they're the first time guests and say, oh, this is what our church is about. And you can function in your gifting in that setting. All right. And so every uh, gift can be used in every ministry area. In fact, every ministry area needs every one of the gifts, I believe, in order to function completely. All right. Uh, uh, our gifts, when, when used as God intends, would never, capital N-E-V-E-R, it's right there in my notes, all caps, would never limit us from serving in any particular ministry. Okay? So having a particular gift would never, everybody say never, limit you from serving in any particular ministry, but instead would enable you to bring that gift into that area of ministry. And every area of ministry needs every gift. We need leaders in the sound booth, as well as administrators and prophetic. We need prophetic people in the sound booth so that they know what to do before someone actually... (laughs) A guitar lead's coming. I'm ready. All right? Amen, brother? Tech team leader says yes. All right? 
We need every gift in every area. All right. Um, and, and that's the main point of the service. Um, <laughs> it's find the focus on, on areas where your gifts are, are, are most utilized. Okay? It's fine to pursue opportunities where if you have a teaching gift that you actually teach a lesson. And, and I'll do, you know, if you feel that way and you want to teach a class, I'll do whatever I can to facilitate. Lots of people do seminars throughout the week and we'll, we'll, we can arrange that. Uh, but plug in and use your gifts in, in whatever area that you can. What your hand finds to do, do with all your might. Few other things. Functioning in your gifts flow out of, flows, must flow out of humility. Paul starts in Ephesians the whole passage on gifts with this. In verse 2 and 3 of chapter 4, he says, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he goes on and talks about spiritual gifts and how we are, are, are put together in a perfect order. But it begins with humility. It begins with uh, a, a lowliness and a gentleness and, a, and, a, and a, the goal of maintaining the bond, a community that's ruled by peace and love. All right? Pride or any character flaw, any major character flaw, will completely negate the benefit uh, of any spiritual gift. It just takes away the benefit. So it doesn't matter how gifted someone is, if their character is flawed, it actually can make them dangerous. Alright? Because very gifted people that do stupid things wound lots of people. And so that's an area that we have to be really careful. Someone can be very gifted, but not have character in line. And Paul puts character first. Secondly, out of this part, this uh, uh, subtitle, is that gifts are not the source of our identity. We can receive benefits from serving, and we should, but our identity must be rooted in our relationship with Christ. I can, it's fine when I maybe share something that is helpful to you and you come up and say, well, that was a great message. I'm like, great. But my identity is not based on that. If I come up and make a complete idiot of myself, and I'm pretty good at it, you know, my identity doesn't change. If I'm not a pastor tomorrow, my identity does not change. I'm a son of God, and nothing can take that away from me. You know, nothing can take that away from me. And, and that's the same in any ministry setting. Uh, and we have to keep that. Our gifts flow from relationship, never the other way around. In other words, our relationship is never determined by the functioning of our gifts. Our gifts are given out of that relationship. Our personal fulfillment in life needs to come from our relationship with Christ, our inner relationship with Christ. That's what makes me happy. That's what makes me full. All right? That's what ministers to my soul. And then I can minister to others and serve out of that abundance. I'm never up here ministering to get affirmation so that I make it through the day. Does that make sense? All right. It's when we turn that around, when we find our identity in our gifts, we turn the gift into something self-oriented and not what it was intended to be, which is other-oriented and Christ-oriented. So the gift was given not to draw attention to myself, but to serve others and to draw attention to Christ. And when I find my identity in my gift, I've corrupted that gift and made it a source of self. All right? And then it becomes an idol. And God just has a... He doesn't like idols. He's good at knocking them down. Right? So it's better not to get there. (laughs) Is this good? All right. Finally, I think serving should be fun. I really do. Um, you know, who knows? Listen, many of you have been Christian for many years. And you've been doing this and that. And you probably think you know what your ministry gifts are. 
I challenge you. Your biggest gift may yet to be found. Really. You know, on Christmas, some Christmas, every Christmas I try to hide packages. Sometimes I leave them out in the garage. And we wait till all the packages are unwrapped. And then I go, oh, or on a birthday. I go, oh, I forgot. You know, and you bring it out and it's the biggest one. You know, and it's such a blast. Because the kids are happy. You know, and then you can, and then they get happier. Your primary spiritual gift may yet be undiscovered. Explore. Get into it. Enjoy it. It's a gift. You know, it's not a burden. God's picked this out for you. Use it. Unwrap it. Unpackage it. And see what else is out there. It's not like, oh, you only get one. There's no more. Hey, if you get one and you use it really good, He's going to give you another one. It's going to lead to another one. And it's going to lead to another area. And God... Yeah, yeah, there's this as an unending because God is, it doesn't run out. And so I think uh, serving and using and flowing in the gift should be an expression of the life. You know, they're, they're gifts of the Spirit. And where the Spirit is, there's what? Liberty, freedom. And so when you're functioning in your gifts, there should be freedom and life. And so we're going to close with another video that just talks about desiring a ministry.